0: Welcome back to Scratching the Surface, where we talk all things real. I'm so excited to be back, to be honest, and get back into my deep chats with lovely, like-minded people. So I did take a big, long break. I went to Canada and had the most amazing, adventurous time a summer to remember for the rest of my life. It was amazing, amazing, amazing. Lots of wildlife, hiking, outdoors, swimming... Oh, it was amazing. So it really actually felt really cathartic, really healing. That's actually where all of this began. My cancer journey began, my migraines, my sore heads, they started when I was living out in Canada. So a couple of years later, went back for a big trip and did all the things that we didn't get to do while I was living there before. And yeah, now I'm just, I'm back at it. I feel amazing and I'm just so happy to have you along on this journey with me. Hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, everybody. I'm here with the lovely, lovely Grainne Ash that I met years and years ago. Grainne, gosh, I don't even remember. I don't remember what year. I don't know exactly what the first year was. It was the first year that I was there, but Grogna actually... So I'll let her tell it in her own words but I mean she had a she had a vision she had a dream a really special uh empowering dream for her own family which then actually multiplied to help oh my goodness tens and tens and tens of families. So mm-hmm. Ronya please introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about yourself tell us okay. your story.
1: Oh my goodness okay um well um As you say, yes, I had this dream, this vision, this um, idea um, because I have, um, I'm the mom of three children, uh, Grace, Rose and Rowan. And um, when Rose was five, she was diagnosed with autism and learning disabilities. And um, we were really struggling as a family um, just to give her the support that she needed. And her behaviors were becoming more and more extreme. She was having difficulty communicating Difficulty sleeping, difficulties with food, difficulties with self-care, toileting in particular. So there was really, and obviously difficulties in her education um, and her progression in education and um, really all her milestones. But her behaviours were really becoming more and more extreme mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to help her. Um, I was really struggling as a mom. I had that terrible feeling, as I'm sure... Um, anyone who is a mom or anyone who would like to be a mom or empathize with this is that that feeling of I'm I'm failing her I'm not good enough as a mom I can't reach her I don't know how to help her I don't know how to support her obviously I loved her so much but I was flailing and our whole family was because of the way I describe it was this over it was so overwhelming Every day, morning, noon and night, I wasn't getting any sleep, um, was just all surrounded around Rose's behaviours and, and how she would react in different situations. So it basically meant you couldn't leave the house unless you mm-hmm. really planned it out. So I do describe it as like this feeling of feeling like I was drowning and that we were all clinging to this life raft in the middle of the ocean. And one by one, different different children would be going drop dropping under, and my husband would be dropping and floating away, and I'd be trying to keep everybody together and keep everybody afloat. And it was a and I used to get nightmares about that. That's that was actually a reoccurring nightmare was that we mm-hmm. I was drowning and my kids were drowning, and I couldn't keep everybody up
0: because mm-hmm. of
1: there was so much anxiety and uh, in our home. Yeah. So. I just wanted to try and help her. And, you know, I did go through the normal channels here in Northern Ireland with, um, you know, getting her diagnosis and then um, getting her trying to get her support through the NHS. But the waiting lists were just so long and she would get the odd um, therapy appointment and then she would go to the bottom of the list again. It could be 12 weeks before she would be back up again. And it just wasn't enough. It just it was Mm -hmm. only scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. So I just went online and I um, just searched and thought there must be something else out there. And, um, and lucky enough, I think in the middle of the night after hours of searching online, I find this program in America called Adam's Camp. And um, I researched it and seen that they did these intensive therapy programs for children with additional needs. And they were residential, and but they were only in America. So I talked talk to my husband and lucky enough, we had enough savings and we were able to go the following summer. That was at Christmas. And then the following summer, we went to Nantucket in um, Massachusetts. And um, we had what can only be described without fate, being over dramatic, a life changing experience.
0: Wow. Because,
1: yeah. I mean, Tara, you've been at the camps, you know how yeah. it can affect the families
0: yeah because I'm sure it was a life-changing experience for the whole family like not just for you that was starting to feel like you were sinking and drowning the whole family yeah so that's
1: so that's what's very very unique about Adam's camp is that whenever here in Northern Ireland I took Rose to therapy the therapy was just for her yeah whereas um you know and maybe there was programs for parents to go on but then you know maybe just one parent would go not both or you know or you know, then what about the siblings? You know, siblings are really struggling in this situation as well. And these family dynamics. Mm-hmm. So I, so the thing, the unique thing about Adams Camp was that it's for the whole family. It's a it's a holistic approach. And every member of the family receives, receives some sort of therapy or um, personal experience while they're there. So yeah. our activities, so there's intensive therapy for the child with additional needs. There's siblings program, the brothers and sisters, and then there's the parents' workshop, um, where they receive training and have, um, you know, then have people coming in give experts in in autism.
0: Yeah, um, and they're also very much like there to therapeutically work with parents, aren't they? To yeah. to make them to try and release that grief and release the.
1: That's right, Tara. Yeah, you're right. It was good you seen up because it was really important that the parents um you know did get some sort of therapy while they were there because a lot of them you know have been given this diagnosis for their child and with autism it is a lifelong diagnosis there is no cure for autism you know the only thing that can happen really is that your child will will improve as in they will become to you know you'll come to terms with their diagnosis and they will learn skills on how to overcome certain obstacles you know
0: yeah exactly or that they can learn skills to make to do it a different way that's like right. that that's the thing for the parents like the society does not make it easy no. for parents with kids with additional needs that's so right. and it that's such a shame that that is where it has to be that you need to nearly have psychologists or therapists to come just to teach you how to be a parent and i know that that's what you were telling me before is yeah. that you nearly feel like a failure as a mom that's it's right. Awful. it's not your fault it's
1: not you know. and a lot of the parents that I spoke to you know that you know since then it was the same theme it was the same thread of conversation going through every every parent's mind and it was that feeling of well this is how I was parented and then I try to parent my children the same way and it doesn't work it doesn't work mm-hmm. with my child with autism and that's because nobody tells you this but that's because you do actually have to learn how to parent that child differently, and there's and no I'm other way around that. Yeah.
0: But who's going to teach you that? No one tells you that. And it's basically no- like not everybody does early childhood studies or like me yeah. or become the teacher or whatever. So that just must be so terrifying. Yeah, it is because what works with one
1: child in your family, your atypical child, is not going to work with the other child so um so yeah that was a a big you know sort of light bulb moment for me was to Mm -hmm. realize that i wasn't doing anything wrong because i didn't know what i didn't know you know there was like it's like nobody told me that i had to train her differently i had to teach her differently you know if i wanted her to use a spoon i'd you know or i wanted her to use the toilet you know those normal uh ways that you would teach i uh, taught the other two kids they didn't work with rose you yeah. know so, so it, you had to go through a very different process and that's at adam's camp that's where i learned those processes and we learned those how to use schedules and we learned how to use visuals and we learned how to use like for rose in particular because she's so musical um and she loves listening to music and watching musicals and things like that there. Yeah. And very quickly, within the first couple of days, the therapist actually realized that Rose would follow instructions if they were sung to her.
0: You know, oh, so, isn't that lovely? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, it, go on, tell us the, the toilet song. <laughs> oh, gosh,
1: do I remember it now? Oh, well, there were so many different songs. We had a few. There was like Take a Bite song was a good one. It was um, because she used to stuff all her food in in one go. Right. And then sit with it all in her mouth like gerbil, you know, cheeks. Um, And then just, you know, I don't know what she was doing. Like She loved that sensory feeling. That was the sensory sensory, And then she would just sort of squeeze it all through her hands and things like that. They're very messy eater because, again, that was all sensory. So it was about teaching her just to sit at the table with a spoon and, and, you know, and then wipe her mouth and eat just it. So there was a, a song called the Take a Bite Song and right. it was it was a funny wee song about take a bite and swallow it down and take a drink and you know it was just, just oh, taking, well. taking it just breaking it down into wee steps and, oh, then, and then she she got that and then there was the toilet song was sort of developed on from that because she just at that stage she had never used the toilet mm, it was probably scary yeah she was nearly 7 years old so that's a long time to be in pull ups you know
0: yeah, yeah, and I mean, it, like as parents, you know, they are there by that point. They are starting to get bigger, and
1: yeah, yeah, it was very yeah. difficult. And it was very difficult yeah. to take her out anywhere, obviously, as well. Yeah. You know, she doesn't, yeah. she didn't even fit onto, you know, a changing table anymore. You know, so mm-hmm. it, was, it was so you were, you know, it was on the floor and toilets, disabled toilets and things like that. There just wasn't age appropriate anymore. Um, but yeah. I mean, I couldn't force her to use the toilet. It had to be off her own you know um she wanted she had to want to do it and again that was through music and through praise and um you know through rewards that they were able to get her to use the toilet um in camp so that Mm -hmm. was an amazing breakthrough for us i mean no one only people with children with special needs could actually understand the huge breakthrough that was the yeah, church use in the toilet for the first time at seven years yeah, old so you know yeah, like, i mean you just hear these women talk these mothers talk about how they potty trained their their two-year-old toddler in a week you know and i used to just oh. look at them going what how did how did you do that you know you're just <laughs> you living another world to me you know, <laughs> no, you know well. and that's where, that's where that that feeling of failure and comparing yourself you know would have came from
0: and before you went over to America, did you know that Rose absolutely loved music?
1: Well, yes, we did. But we thought it was just like a hobby, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's
0: the thing. Yeah. We
1: never thought it could be used as a therapy.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Except- like because unless you go to actually study that or that's your your big passion, like yeah you wouldn't really think oh, okay i could actually make this into her life the way she's no, going to live? Yeah. live.
1: <clears throat> yeah i mean because we, we should never actually worked with a music therapist because the nhs didn't supply any music therapists you know she mm-hmm. never got referred to music therapy she had speech and language ot and physio yeah but again those those you know those appointments were all you know few and far between but no one had ever suggested oh let's give her music therapy so that's where you know the joy, That's where the joy of Adams Camp was. This, you know, that the it's a multidisciplinary team. So the, the the program is set as it's called the five 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 program, which is five children with five therapists for five days, and it's six hours of therapy a day. So that's why it's so intensive, and that's why you can have these real breakthroughs and and turn a child's life around in a week. You know, so yeah. and the whole family's life around. You know, and at the same time the siblings are in, in um. You know, having fun and adventures without the responsibilities <clears throat> or occur. because a lot of a lot of siblings become mini currs, um yeah. to their to their um brother or sister, and then um the parents are in workshops all day, and also the parents then are living with each other in the same area, in the same campsite or the same dormitories or the same you know chalets, and they they're experiencing that feeling of I'm not alone because there's other people here experiencing the same things as me
0: so it's yeah, a big exactly. journey
1: for everyone and a real support network so obviously we enjoyed the week and we stayed there for two weeks and then flying back I just felt this real sinking feeling of yeah I was all fired up about you know continuing to do the work that I was given you know with Rose but it was like well what am I coming back to you know it's Adam's camp isn't here in Northern Ireland mm-hmm. and I was already mm-hmm. planning how could we afford to go back the following year? Yeah. Um, and then I got it. When I got home, I got a lovely email from from the founder, the co founder of Adam's Camp. It's actually Adam's dad, Bob Horney. And he, he he wasn't in Nantucket, he was in Colorado, where the main camp is. And um, he had heard about my family, and we were the first international family to attend mm-hmm. their camps. They'd been going for 30 years, and they had camps all over America. And he said that you just. The good reports about our family and would I be interested in outreaching the camp to Northern Ireland.
0: And, I mean, yeah. What were you doing at that point in your life or like what had you, what was your job before? Well, well having... I had been,
1: I'd been just out of work, you know, I hadn't been actually in, in employment for 10 years. I'd been a mom at home. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, before that, I did work for the health service and I worked as a daycare worker in um, a day centre for adults with mental health problems so mental health issues so up and not bracking. <laughs> so i did have a wee bit of like that kind of curve in me you know yeah
0: um, isn't it so funny that always ends up happening like i you know even just i'm even just thinking how in my family like that's what's ends up kind of having as well and at the time you're just like you're doing a job and you enjoy it, but then it becomes useful
1: way down the line it's right it's a, it mm-hmm. was something I thought I would never go back to you know mm-hmm. um but I do you know I always liked uh, you know organizing things and being a facilitator and all that there and I was good at doing those kind of things so I thought right well I'll give it a go and um, with Bob's help you know he was my mentor for the first year and we just Skyped all the time and emailed all the time and then he came over actually to Northern Ireland him and his wife Carol and they um, they were there for the first camp in Cormila in Ballycastle in 2016
0: I was so the, there yeah
1: so that was that you there that first year? Yeah Yeah. Uh, that was amazing so I'd been in Nantucket mm-hmm. in 2015 and so as soon as I came back um, within 10 months uh, you know there was a camp so it was amazing like it was really we had to start a charity so I actually had to find it you know find it a charity and then so it was called Adams Camp NI and then I had to find a board of directors and then um, I had to register with the Charities Commission in Northern Ireland there was just a lot of um, you know and you had to get insurance and you know and do all your child protection and all that there so there was a lot to do to get it up and running and then obviously you defined your staff you defined therapists and of course that type of therapy had never been done here yeah therapists had worked individually you know yeah. in their clinics or in their schools um in a little room so this is me saying to therapists do you want to come work here and we are going to do something completely radical completely different and that's completely okay. going to be out of your comfort zone so i mean a, a lot of therapists said no
0: straight away are you mad um, so. and also I think therapists are quite they don't always want other therapists or other even adults to be like watching them or see like you That's know it. they're fine working with kids but was, some of them maybe just didn't want to be uh, well a
1: lot of them would have been set in their ways and say no this is the way we've always done it but I did mm-hmm. find this amazing group of 10 therapists Um we had two programs the first year and um, I mean just it was outstanding like what you know what they were prepared to do because um, a lot of what the therapy is um, for one of the groups in particular the older group was um, they called it therapy on the go so it was all outdoors so again it was this it was a very different even you know clinical setting they were used to being in a room but now mm-hmm. suddenly they had to do therapy on Ballycastle Beach or on the boat mm-hmm. on the way over to Rafflin Island or, on amazing. This, you know, on, on horseback and, you know, in, this, <sighs> in the swimming pool. I mean, therapy mm-hmm. was happening all over Ballycastle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so no,
0: that's that was amazing. amazing.
1: And, you know, an amazing group of volunteers as well. And, you know, Tara, you were one of them. And I'm always so grateful for the volunteers because the, the groups couldn't have run without them. You know, the and, whole camp. Um, couldn't have run
0: so them. We, we all we made friends for life as well. Like I'm still yeah. good friends with Naive.
1: Oh yeah, that's good. Up mm-hmm, Niamh, lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so am I. Just talking to her the other day, actually. Yes, I mean we that that was thing. it's it, it's such a it's almost like you know, you're you're stuck on an island together and you just kind of yes. have to make it work.
0: <laughs> oh, that was amazing though. Remember the set and like uh, the views out over we, the staff actually we all went and did um yoga. On a really yes, nice place right. day yeah. Um on that grass that the holes, like it was as if you were on an island actually, with yes, the that's water right. on the Oh, it was because just amazing. You're,
1: that Cormela sites elevated up on a cliff. Yeah. No, it was amazing. Yeah. It was such a beautiful place to do it. And so we continued then, I mean it was so successful, and then I was able I was so honored and it was such a privilege to watch life-changing um experiences happening to other families as well so you're kind of going oh my god it wasn't just me this really happened at Adam's camp over and over again (laughs) so you know and there was kids there who were um I don't like to compare one child with autism to another because the spectrum's so wide and varied but you Mm -hmm. know I was meeting kids um who didn't speak at all you know who were you know had never spoken um you know just yeah. maybe making signs and things you know and so like in that first week we we did witness children speaking for the first time you actually using words to communicate or you know or use or for the first time using some sort of communication device you know whether yeah. it be you know pecs or makaton or but but reaching out for communication for the first time in their lives as well to their parents you know and that was Incredibly humbling, you know, to see that to see these parents and children actually been able to communicate for the first time.
0: It, is for, it is for listening, or for listeners that they, you know, they maybe um, have a child and they're, you know, they're going through the diagnosis or whatever. What I just can you explain the PECs and knowledge oh, yeah, of those different communication things? I always
1: forget; people don't know. So PEC stands for Picture Exchange Communication System and so and for every word there's a little picture and so say for toilet we'll just start with that one because it's a basic one every child needs to see it and know it and so it's it's just just a plain black and white drawing of a toilet and so if you want your child if your child wants to use the toilet then they can give you that picture of the toilet they have they carry around either a little strip on velcros little velcro strips of of the pictures or they can have books that can have a child can sort of graduate on to actually pages and pages of these pictures mm-hmm. um, for every single need and want. And even emotions can be in it as well. So you can ask how are you feeling and they can just give you the picture of I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm, I'm in pain, you know, or whatever. or I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. You know, these are all things that the child wouldn't have been able to say before. Mm hmm. So there, so we did a lot of those things. Um, but like schedules are very important to children with autism as well, because they love the routine. They like the same things happening at the same time each day. And that really mm-hmm. keeps them on the straight and narrow. Um, so so schedules are nice to do as well. So it's like your, you know, your morning routine and then and it can be all Drawn out in pics. So you can do like it doesn't have to be the the picture exchange communication system. It can be just a line drawing. So some of our kids, we the parents were able just to communicate by just drawing a picture, or the kid could draw a picture of what they want they wanted to do next. Um, yeah. you know, so you can do that. You can then as the child advances on, you can do social stories and comic strips. You know, so it just really helps a child map out their day or for them to tell you how they're feeling or what they want to do so it works both ways um so yeah it's great it's great system i
0: know yeah no thank you for explaining that
1: yeah no problem and so so yeah we did the first year that was 10 families from northern ireland amazing experience fantastic feedback all the therapists were buzzing all the volunteers were buzzing everybody was like gosh that was that was super when are we doing it again and i was like what if I had to do this again <laughs>
0: so,
1: cause, you know there's a lot of uh, fundraising and stuff had to happen and you know it was a it was a big big ask um and the parents also paid a fee as well it was very expensive you know because you had to hire the whole um or the whole of Carmela and all the meals and all the transport and then all the staff and things like that so there's a huge cost to it all and so starting it all over again was another uphill struggle but again we did it again the following year in carmila and we did it again after that so i did three years in carmila and then Mm -hmm. we actually outgrew that facility because we could only really do up to 15 families there because it just was too small to accommodate everybody and then um and growing
0: every year did you it was rose part of the program again
1: no, she did two years. So she did three years in total. She did one year in America and then two years in Carmela. And then really she graduated Adams camp. Wow. Yeah, she wow. she just really, I mean, the therapist just had to tell me she probably didn't even need that third year. I just was hankering after it for nostalgia, you know. But yeah. uh, that was hard for me to break her away from it. But they just basically said she's just doing so well. She's just reaching all her goals
0: Wow. Know, within,
1: within within the first couple of days she really doesn't need this intensive therapy
0: program anymore yes. what kind of goals was it that were being set you know what what was the goals that she was reaching just I suppose for listeners
1: oh yes so well the first obviously the first couple of years it was it was very basic things like you go to the toilet and then um it was things like you know did that because that's where the take a bite song came from so it was eat you know eat appropriately and then Mm -hmm. it was um you know better interaction with her peers because a lot of children with um with autism just tend to be very solitary you know play on their own and Mm -hmm. so so that was her first year and then the years after that then I started to really struggle for things for her to do because she was just reaching them all really well so it was just things like you know, more things like um, being more independent with her self-care, you know, so it was washing and dressing herself and, yeah. you know, brushing her teeth. And then, you know, it was even having a shower, like having a shower is actually a very complex task, you know, especially mm-hmm. for a girl with long hair. you have to wash and condition her and things like that. So all yeah. those wee things, all, all those wee, uh, uh, self-care tasks would all have to be broken down into stages and then so uh, like a social story written about each one of them. Mm. And so like things like that, and then it was, but always every year, and I would always encourage the parents as well, because it was three goals per child, and that they would try to aim for in a week. And so I would always say, try to make one of those goals about social interactions with peers, because that is just so important, um, mm. for moving a child on, um, in 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 a, in this society, you know, because society's not going to bend to reach your child. Your child does have to bend to reach society.
0: I know it's on the I think that's why growing you, why I left teaching, because even schools, like I'm, I'm not joking, like even schools, and I'm sure you've seen it yourself with your own kids. Yeah. Schools want kids to fit in this wee box and get yeah. these certain grades and these certain numbers and reach these certain goals by the end of each year. And that is not possible. That is not every child. That's actually not most children anymore yeah that's right right. and it just no I just that just wasn't it didn't sit well with me so I I understand
1: that yeah you know because Rose was in a mainstream school to begin with and I did want her to continue mainstream school because the way I looked at her was there's you know Rose is a child first and she just happens to have autism you know yeah You still
0: want her to play, you want her to have experience. So she should be
1: treated and she should have the same rights as every other child. And she should have the same opportunities presented to her as every other child has with support, obviously. But, Mm -hmm. you know, after uh, three years in mainstream school, I very much seen that Rose wasn't getting the support that she needed there. And so then the I did make the a difficult Yeah, and she moved to special mm-hmm. needs school and she's very happy there. But it still makes me sad that I had to break up the family because her brother and sister were in the same school. and She had little friends <laughs> and all there.
0: Oh, yeah, you know, I know so. that. And that's a whole other grieving part of it for you, Grainne.
1: Yeah, it is, it is. It was changing everything, you know, because then you do have to acknowledge, well, it's not that my daughter can't cope in a mainstream school. It's the mainstream school can't cope with my daughter, you know.
0: Exactly. Yep. 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 So
1: so but anyway it's it's worked out fine. She hasn't you know, she's very happy in the school she's in now. And you know, she has done really well. She's she's now um she's now fourteen, can you believe it? I can't believe it. She's a big teenager oh now. So I get all the normal like huffing and puffing and you know, that makeup and and wanting to chase after boys and things like that. I get all that. Wow. It's nice. so, are, so we've entered into another sort of stage in life for her. And a lot of it is what a normal fourteen year old girl I don't like to use the word normal, but it's just it's just for your listeners' sake. We would call it, we would say a typical girl. So hmm. what what a neurotypical girl would be going through at a fourteen, it my daughter's going
0: through that too but then you add autism on
1: top of that did you expect
0: that wrong yeah like did you and your husband ever talk about be like you know oh well hopefully we'll not have this then with as much with rose but like did were you expecting it to be as intense and she Mm -hmm. maybe even more intense is it that she's because i'm just thinking of a couple of wee girls that i had worked with around that age um, and in fact what i did with them the cedar foundation and Oh my goodness they were boy mad boy really mad, mad yeah you see
1: what happens is that they you know a girl with a 14 year old girl with autism so she's still going to have the same urges that an atypical girl and a neurotypical girl will have but she has you throw the autism on top of that and then she doesn't have the social skills to match oh. it so her emotions are all over the place her hormones are all over the place but mm. she doesn't know what's appropriate you know yeah. So, and she wouldn't have the same self-awareness. So uh, an, another girl w- would be like embarrassed to be shouting over to a, a boy in the playground or yeah. something like that there, or even a boy in the street, you know, Rose, yeah. or, you know, Rose would want to talk to all the boys that she meets, you know, oh. thinking that that they all want to be, that she wants them all to be her boyfriend. I don't know what Oh, she you
0: must be. worry. Like this is a new worry growing yeah. yesterday. So
1: it's a very different worry. So she is extremely vulnerable. And that's Mm -hmm. something as well, you know, you can, you could another girl who's 14, you could actually, you know, warn her and you could, you know, say, you know, here's your boundaries and don't be going, don't be doing that, don't be doing that, you know, but with Rose it doesn't matter if I say those things she either doesn't understand them or because of her learning disability it doesn't you know it doesn't stick the information doesn't yeah. stick you know so she's so she's a very vulnerable young lady you know so, so and she will be probably Tara for the rest of her life a vulnerable person you yeah. know and that's always going to be a worry for me that she'll always have to be around safe adults you know? yeah
0: yeah no you're right you're right I think that's that is the truth
1: Yeah, it is. And that is the uncomfortable truth, you know, about um, our, you know, young people with autism and learning disability, you know, that they are extremely vulnerable in our society. Lucky enough, like, you know, 99% of the people are lovely, you know, and would never harm them. But you could never take any chances, you know. So she'll always have to be supervised or be with, you know, have very strict boundaries around her. Um, yeah you know for, but that's okay that's something Anthony and I are prepared for now but yes it mm-hmm. is very funny sometimes she she she's quite comical with her her situation uh, with boys and she and she has a very romantic view about it because obviously she's been watching Disney movies and yes. you know. And you know those like American TV shows, you know,
0: <laughs> where it's all
1: very scripted, you know. So she thinks oh that. I mean,
0: all know... oh, I write, we worked with a little girl, um, and she would have, she would have, <laughs> like, we'd be on this, we would maybe go to like Balmina shopping or something, and then she'd be there'd be like boys would be ooh kissy kissy, yeah. like, you know, right to them, oh. Yeah, it's, a, so it's
1: it is it's, it's 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 hard not to break into a smile.
0: No, exactly because like yeah. you say it's comical but, but it is, but it is there's dangerous, dangerous
1: side to it too, and I would have to say Rose, you you can't speak to strangers like that, you know um and and she'll go oh but I, I just fancy him I I like him and he he could be my boyfriend and I'm like no 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 that's not appropriate you know and it's not Tara that I would never deny her a boyfriend it's not that no um, so, you know not. and there, no, no. there might be a day come that that might happen but it has to be you know the right set and it has to be someone
0: who's on the same level as her you know um, absolutely and you know it's even through school and different activities that she mm-hmm. gets into and stuff like they're and you'll be absolutely delighted for her. You definitely wouldn't want her to miss no, out on... No, I
1: wouldn't want her to miss out on feeling loved or to love someone. You know, yeah. that's that's an, that's an incredible experience to have, you know, in life.
0: Exactly. You know? <laughs>
1: so I want her to experience those feelings. And I want and, um, someone to love her for lo- for her. That would be lovely for her one day. But at the moment she's 14, so we're still trying to keep it under wraps. <laughs>
0: no exactly (laughs) my goodness because I always you know I'm just thinking of like my wee uncle Robert like he's now he's 54 and that poor man he's never ever ever you know he's never had a girlfriend he's never had anything like that and I just think everybody deserves that but I suppose back at that time like it would definitely definitely would have been absolutely like no we'll we're not even going to try to help that happen you know
1: yeah no it's Okay, yeah I know times are changing and I think like you know there's everyone deserves to be loved and that's and it's very.
0: do you ever watch that um Love on the Spectrum? yes yes oh, isn't it Love brilliant on the it's just but the most
1: heart, for them, like, it's yeah I it's, know I it's know. so difficult for them to just you know their social skills are so awkward sometimes it's just,
0: oh they're just so nervous even going oh I my know. goodness oh
1: I oh, know Rose would be the be the opposite though. She, she be, she's like a man eater, you know. Did you ever
0: confident. see the, Did you see that dark the dark haired girl on it? Um, and she literally she was like, oh, like she just was really. It sounds like the way Rose must be. Yeah. She really was like all up for it. She was, and she actually she was a she was brilliant. She was them um, like an anime artist, oh, yeah. very yeah. well yeah. for something.
1: See that's a, that. See that's why. And I can see even though I I have Rose now 14 years, I still am fascinated when I see or meet another, you know, person with autism because they're all just so different, so Mm -hmm. talented. And, you know, there's always so much and they have like this, you know, special interest that they know everything about, you know, I just find Find it so fascinating. I still find autism fascinating. Oh, it is,
0: and you know what? Like they actually, they are, they are so special. We could actually learn so much from them. Definitely,
1: definitely. I mean, you know, Rose has obviously, you know, challenged me, you know, to break in point. But um, you know, in that challenge, uh, you know, I have learned so many skills from her, and you know, learned how to be patient and and really, really empathise, really step into the, the, her shoes and really feel what that feels like for her, you know, to have yeah. all those sensory overloads and you know, people don't appreciate what, what it must feel like to no. to be sensitive to, to simple things like that we would just take for granted, you know, Rose really was intolerant of uh, wind and rain and you know, that's very hard when you live in Northern Ireland, a lot of days are windy and rainy, you know, oh but that was like you know that was painful for her that wasn't just uncomfortable that was actually painful for her to the wind and rain on her face and in her ears and things yeah. like that
0: so what do you do for that now then or how is she with well that? she's
1: actually not as sensitive this is more when she was younger but she doesn't mm-hmm. like it she still doesn't like it she still gets very grumpy if she has to walk in the wind and the rain well don't we all but no well yeah I say that, I mean,
0: that's me as well yeah. honestly it's even even suggest us going out for a walk whenever it's like bad weather I'm like have you seen outside and he's like what better rain I'm like no I hate it like I just want to curl up
1: yeah well and that you know and that's that's also it you know you have to just acknowledge that that's you know not everyone's going to like that experience yeah, you know yeah. so she so there's certain things she just does, still doesn't like doing and um, you know, we have to respect that and but it doesn't yeah. rule our lives anymore. You know, it used to be that would be the whole day ruined. We couldn't leave the house even go from the front door to the to the car, you know. Yeah. So uh that doesn't rule our lives anymore. You know, she she has worked out her own strategies and we've worked out ways to support her in anything now, that she's having difficulty with. Um, you know, she used to wear headphones, uh, you know, ear ear protectors, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like their noise cancelling um you know uh, uh air protectors you know just to just
0: to muffle the sounds of things and have you ever put them on to see like does it, is it does it work really well
1: yeah it's just like as if you know that kind of like um underwater feeling
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> or something
1: it's kind of like a mumbling feeling of everybody so it's quite nice it's quite comforting it's like you're wrapped up in they- a duvet
0: isn't it so good that now, um, the big them big oversized headphones are back in? So like, it's not as if you know, it doesn't look safe. so obvious, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's, teenagers and stuff like, so they wouldn't get like any opportunity to be bullied or anything like that. That's it.
1: That's it. it I think it, A lot of people are just more accepting of when they see a child with wearing the head, you know, the ear ear protectors. They know what's what's happening there. Um, yeah. but yeah, she used to wear those a lot, but she doesn't. She's chosen herself not to wear them. As much you know so
0: um you
1: know she's obviously able to tolerate a lot more so it's more for for rose more it's more now about um just her maturing as a young lady and really what's expected of her you know as she matures you know just really still improving on her still her working on her self-care and and her social her appropriate social interactions really
0: you know, yeah. but
1: you know, apart from that, she's doing fantastic. She's very happy-go-lucky, loves life. You know, she's she's part of um a youth club and a drama group and dance, and you know, <sighs> she loves all the anything musical. And you know, she's she's just fantastic. We entertain her. You know, she's like oh. she's like she's like a little party in a package you know
0: (laughs) oh Grania, you must be so proud of her oh
1: yeah of course I am I'm dead I'm really proud of her you know this is a little girl who used to hide underneath her bed with her fingers in her ears screaming you know not wanting to interact with the world at all
0: yeah wow so
1: what a a difference you know so she's very confident too confident (laughs) don't know can you be too confident she's very confident because everybody's been telling her for so many years that she's brilliant
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I was yeah. at least thinking in that's so good yeah how has all been the ups and downs for the whole family what about the you or- know? yeah
1: well we continued on with Adam's camp anyway for a few more years and then I think it got to about Well, did get to 20, obviously 2020 is, was, uh, uh, you know, a massive year for everyone. And Mm -hmm. so our intentions was 20, 2019, we'd moved to a different location. We'd moved to the Shared discovery center in in Enniskillen. And it was a much bigger place where we could have more families. And that was a huge undertaking, but an amazing experience again. And we actually got a BBC documentary as well done on us in that year too. Yeah, um, I think yeah, I think that. Yeah, do you, if you've seen that, it's not on BBC iPlayer anymore, but you might still be able to see it on YouTube, or I could send you a link for it. Um, and it's called Inside Autism, A Tiny Bit of Magic. And that was a really good experience. So it was an hour-long mm-hmm. documentary. The BBC crew followed us around at that camp and did follow the stories of four families who attended Adam's camp so that yeah, was really
0: I remember you were so professional in that
1: oh thank you
0: yeah That's no I'm really it was so okay. good
1: thank you it was well it wasn't about me it was about the families and just about the camp itself and the, what we could do so that was mm-hmm. lovely to have that documented and then yeah. um we uh so then so we had big plans after that and because we'd only ever done residentials there was a real need and we just had so many people wanting to come to the camps we really couldn't facilitate them all um so we so we just so I developed a new camp called Windrose Community Camps and it mm-hmm. was the idea for that was that it was that it was more portable and it was a day therapy camps and okay, the well. idea was it would be like pop up camps in different communities
0: wow i didn't know yeah, this growing yeah i know mm-hmm.
1: we only just got it up and running and we did the first camp in february 2020 um with the idea we did it in the dunk center in north belfast so what we did was we looked at areas of um areas where there was high autism diagnosis and the correlated with um, um underprivileged you know areas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that so so we could really really hit those towns and villages and where the the need was really great because those were those were um, non-fee paying places so we had the lottery was paying for those so
0: okay amazing
1: so we did 10 families in North Belfast and with the idea that we were going to Continue this camp in other parts of Northern Ireland. The next one was due for balamina in in the at the Easter week of twenty twenty, but of course everybody knows what happened in twenty twenty, so yeah. that was the end of that. So we did our first camp and then we had to cancel, um the the next camp at Easter, thinking that we'd get it running again by the summer, but of course nothing. We had to cancel all camps that year, and there hasn't been any more camps since. Uh, what I did then was I had to bring all the therapy online. Right. And so then I had to develop an, another new program called Home Camp. And it was um, our therapists then were online um, and uh, on Zoom calls. <laughs> you know, everybody did parents, Zoom
0: calls. Were parents and children, like the maybe the, the child with autism was there and they were trying to do this like therapy or we we tried that we actually tried that but it didn't work you know
1: the child with autism was not going to sit in front of a screen and listen to
0: it really frustrated probably yeah so
1: so we more Mm. so we realized that it it was better it was easier it was just more effective to um engage with the parents so so we did training really it was really like training online for the parents giving and so, them like some yeah and, yeah yeah so we did ours of those i think they were viewed over 200 times so wow. so so yeah in total we did 75 families in person in real life and then over 200 views on the um on the the self-help sort of videos the therapy videos that we did so,
0: so now it's that videos they're still on your page but is, are they out anywhere that Parents, you know that. If you go family. to,
1: if you just go to the Adams Camp,
0: uh, yes,
1: Facebook page, perfect. you yeah, can perfect. you can click on the links for those videos. So they're all still there, and there's okay. some really really helpful ones there, um, about communication, behavior, toileting, eating, um, sleeping. We just we hit all of the topics, all the hot topics that we got oh, at camp. Brilliant. So, Brilliant. yeah, they're they're also, so that's a really good resource to have for a parent who's just you know maybe the, at the beginning of their autism journey. Exactly. Um, like autism and then, um, yeah. So, twenty twenty was a real pivotal year for me and my family. Um. So I um we had I had to stop doing the camps obviously because because of the pandemic, and at first I was really bereft because. I thought oh no I've made all these plans for all these community camps and they're all on hold and I, what am I going to do but um like I was saying to you earlier and also like I've experienced this conversation with other people is that that gave me an unexpected opportunity just to stop yeah. and just just to take a breath and just Absolutely. to reevaluate my life
0: and growing you for that at that point it was what seven eight years
1: yeah six uh, I was coming
0: into seven years of yeah. it and um and like yeah. you didn't you never took a break like exactly. over the year it wasn't if it wasn't planning the camp it was planning the fundraising or it was talking probably to the the board yeah, or, yeah oh, board. i had meetings. to have yeah, it was
1: monthly board meetings
0: and then it
1: was and i would have to write an executive director's report for that every month and mm-hmm. and and then it was like always recruiting i was always recruiting staff uh interviewing volunteers you know it was just constant and then it was why you were a mom of three yes it was fundraising and funding applications yeah it was just a lot but mm-hmm. it just I just had I had all these balls all juggling in the air all these plates spinning and I didn't I wasn't I took my eye off the ball and I wasn't watching what was happening to my own family and you know what was happening was my son our youngest was struggling himself in school and we just sort of thought oh it's just something he's you know he's a very sensitive boy he's a bit quirky he's a bit you know um different kind of that he doesn't like sports and you know so he was finding it really hard to make friends and then then it was brought to our attention there was there was some bullying going on and he was he was a real victim for bullies and he just was really struggling himself and then so uh, an educational psychologist was sent to him into the school to do an assessment and then when she came up and told us that that our son was one of the most anxious little boys that she's met <sighs> an anxious such an anxious little eight-year-old boy that's what she said that she's met in such a long time i just suddenly went oh Uncle what Manny. what's happening yeah. I didn't even know this was happening. And, she, you know, she was very serious in her concerns about his yeah. future. Okay. So that's when it was sort of suggested to us then that he would need to be assessed for autism as well. And um, although it wasn't a huge shock, I think we were definitely in denial mm. um, because he presented so differently than Rose.
0: Yeah, he can chat away like he would be really. Oh, there was no, there was never
1: any of those kind of behaviors, and mm-hmm. so this is where the spectrum really plays. You know, it's right here in my family. I have from one extreme to another. You know, I so that,
0: then you had to go and learn that all again because that's a yeah, complete
1: very different approach then to him as well. So, okay. um, and that just you know taking him out of school obviously because of um COVID he was happier out of school and you know and he said to me then mommy I wish I never had to go back to school and that's when I really realized how unhappy he
0: was in school and he had never said anything no because he was
1: he knew and this is the heartbreaking part of it he knew I was so busy and he never wanted to disturb me or annoy me so I was so busy with Adam's camp or preoccupied with Rose that he's the type of child that didn't want to annoy you, you know, and that's the heartbreaking part. You know, he was suffering and I didn't see it. So, or just thought it would just go away or get better. I don't know what I was thinking. I was, I just wasn't, you know, concentrating on what was happening right in my own home. I was so busy helping all these other families. Mm. So, so that was a real wake up call. And so we, we decided then i think it's just them I, them actually my dad passed away in april of 2020 and i was very close to my dad and he would have really helped me with the kids you no know? so that was mm-hmm. a real another real support network just gone mm-hmm. and um i think i just sort of thought God, like tomorrow's just not guaranteed he died yeah. like from he died of cancer but it was from diagnosis to death it was only three and a half weeks. <sighs>
0: Oh, yeah. because of it, because of the flipping COVID, we not even. on oh, well, no, we were very now. lucky.
1: We were lucky Tara because they. It was just they were just about to close the hospitals. It was like, um, mid March, late March, yeah. and he, and they said, look, if you can take your dad home, we can't do anything more for him, and you could just nurse him at home, care for him at home, and oh, because I'm we're closing the hospitals to tomorrow.
0: To yeah. Yeah. Okay oh my goodness Grainne I totally I can empathize because oh like geez I'm feeling all the faith now because that's exactly it's a wonder that we didn't even see each other in passing I was in in and out to them hospitals up here in Belfast the cancer hospital yeah for myself at that exact time and it was literally I end up having to go in for my bloody surgery when they had just closed the doors and it wasn't allowed oh one person in or anything oh
1: how horrible for you it's been so oh. isolating well we were lucky, that's the only you know, a occurring for somebody till their death is an honour and a privilege obviously but it's yeah. also horrific and you know, traumatising too you know, to yeah, you see your right, father yeah. slip this really strong man physically strong man just slip right away through your fingers, you know
0: yeah and like I'm sure if it was anything like me like you can't really you don't want to eat you feel sick and I'm sure he probably lot, lot, lost a lot of weight and oh, you just he like,
1: yeah he was yeah. just like a wee skeleton at the end we were able to pick him up you know but anyway that, so that hard. No, just, was hard No, it was too much just, lipstick too much for one it really person was it was shockingly it was the grief was horrendous and, you know, I'm still, still recovering from it. And then, of course, it, because it was COVID, you, we yes. couldn't have a wake and we couldn't have a funeral. You know, it was it was all very restricted. Um, So I think all that was just, you know, still all there. And uh, so then, I, I you know, by the time we were starting to come out of lockdown, I had come to the conclusion that I don't want to do Adam's camp anymore. My heart yeah. wasn't in it anymore. Yeah. Because... I was just being pulled in a, a completely different direction where my heart should have been, my attention should have been all the time, which was my own family. And, you know, as much as I was felt so much guilt about leaving Adam's camp, because that was also my baby and my family as well,
0: I just ha- I had to prioritise. You, you need to be so proud of yourself. Like, uh-huh. I am so proud of you. The whole of Northern Ireland must be so proud of you and grateful. <laughs> oh god, you drop- don't worry about that. Come on. Like, I mean, anybody in the disability community, like it's just whenever I am thinking about it, my wee uncle Robert that I have mentioned before, he wasn't allowed to go to school. They they said, look, in secondary school, no, like we we can't teach you anything, like you're never gonna be writing or like you and he is, he actually he's he's smart. He, whatever he's interested in, he loves knowing all the things you know it's not it's just that they just couldn't have been bothered at that time yeah. you have actually made a massive massive difference and you're setting the forefront for families for inspiring other you know people yeah. like me we want to oh my goodness like honestly growing yet like oh, if anything can come it's
1: it, it it was a real uh-huh. It was a real struggle. It was a real struggle to, to make the decision to leave. But, uh, you know, I, I had to do it. I had to do it. And, you know, luckily I have a really good board and they were very supportive and very understanding. And, and they've actually still, they still, the charity still exists and they still mm. want to try and get the camps up and running again, maybe next year. And yeah. that would be amazing because that was going to be the hardest thing to think of all that hard work. And then, then it just fizzling out. But
0: you know exactly.
1: fingers crossed that they can get the funds in and they can make it work again, you know, because that it's so worthwhile, as you know, you've seen it yourself. Those camps are just so worthwhile doing and,
0: and so and so amazing. needed. Yeah, it's amazing when like like minded families or families with similar experiences can actually get together and it's not even just about the shared experience, it's like you can actually cry together hug together have a laugh together and you understand each other like oh
1: and the learn the learning from each other was huge as
0: well I mean what
1: you know because you could have a child like like I am now with a child a teenager and I could talk now to another parent who's just starting off with their autism journey maybe their child's only four or five yeah. And they're like, well, should they go to mainstream school or, or special needs school or sh- what kind of therapies should I introduce to them? And that And I can say, oh, well, I know this and I know that not because I've lived it and I've experienced exactly. it, you know, yeah. so it, it's see that coming together. As you say that shared experience, it's so therapeutic. It's so healing mm-hmm. as well, because yeah. a lot of these parents, as I said at the beginning, are very broken you know and they're at their wits end so there's a real companionship you know when you're there in the same room as people who are living and breathing the same life that you are because even within your own family and I have a lovely family don't get me wrong I have a lovely supportive family but nobody else in my family has two children with autism you know what I mean you know so no one else is going to get it (laughs) really I know what my life is like unless you're you're living it too
0: Yeah, because even families I had worked with when I was working um, in the Cedar Foundation, you know, people don't realize like what actually can be going on at home, like as in the destructiveness sometimes, you know, with anger and like frustration. And even sometimes I was working with um, a few boys that were, they were coming up to that age. They were so, they were stronger than both their parents. yeah, yeah. And I mean, there'd be holes in the wall. Yeah. they were, anything that they could use as a weapon nearly and because they're just so frustrated with their they couldn't com- communicate what they needed and yeah yeah i mean mm. we did do
1: a teenagers camp as well called discovery and it was amazing to see the teenagers but mm. do you know what it was very hard very very hard camp because very hard week because it was hard on the teenagers and the parents but and the therapists because it was almost like the behaviors had already been well established you know
0: yeah okay. Do you it,
1: think would that be something you would recommend like get support oh, early intervention impact? early yeah. intervention it's all I ever see once i seen the teenagers and we were working with you know fourteen fifteen sixteen, seventeen year olds seventeen year old boy was there a man he was by that stage you know, and I just looked at his his parent his mom and I just thought, oh my goodness, what have you been dealing with all these years you know? Uh, um mm-hmm. and she just said like but we still we still made massive changes massive positive changes in their both their lives and he went on and because he he was they were able to see that he loved animals and he went on to work in a farm and followed ah! a dog shelter and all that there so you That's know amazing. it was amazing experiences for him you know but and his you know his temper really then calmed down because he was being fulfilled in other areas of his life but and he was being understood and listened to and that's that's all everybody anybody wants people just want to be everyone who comes to camp just wants to be accepted
0: and yeah. and heard you know exactly yeah exactly as the individual that they were you know yeah. and like the, and their own personal interests and things
1: and that includes and, the parents too you know, every and I, yeah. everyone in life just wants that you know
0: but I think, Rania, that's where you need to, like, don't go be so hard on yourself, you know? Like, you yeah. have to forgive yourself for for what's in the past, is in the past, and, you know, it's, it, it's never ever too late. And, like, you, yeah. it's only that you do care too much, and that's never going to be a bad thing. No, I know.
1: And I think that's what it was. I mean, I, I really did go very down after I had made the decision to leave Adam's camp and, you know, because it, it was like leaving a family and it was like leaving a baby sort of on their own,
0: <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and for
1: other people just to take it away and do what they want with it. But it's it's just yeah. that letting, I did have yeah, to go through so a bit of a grieving process and a bit of a letting absolutely. go of it. And, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's going to be so interesting to see where they take it and you know i'll i'll be completely 100 percent behind what they do um you know just as long as they're still you know the main objectives are always still there and that is just improving the lives of the entire family who come to us
0: are they they still going to be in touch with them like with america even by email or by you know i think
1: all that all sort of because you know bob and carl they retired and okay. you know the adam's parents they retired so they're not even you know running the colorado branch anymore so and it's actually went through a couple of different management changes so so we haven't we don't have any connection with the american model anymore and in okay. fact over the years i sort of changed it and developed it to suit on Northern Ireland model really yes. our Northern Ireland needs because it's very yeah. different in America you know
0: yeah the culture is different the way they even therapies yeah the
1: way they even yeah. access their therapies is different mm-hmm. and how they pay for things so and I did have to change it slightly and then of course I did develop the the um the community camps as well and then the the online therapy so they were all you know our ideas so wow. we have kind of
0: we, we've just evolved
1: i think really
0: yeah and that's more accessible i think to people here yeah it's yeah. not as, as the other thing with like we were saying about the weather and stuff like families can't just go out in the sunshine and be happy and singing all around you that's know it. like you can in america that's
1: it you know you had to make you had to be realistic
0: and and it for
1: northern ireland weather <laughs>
0: Well, Grania, if I'm pulling anything out of that, I mean, it's so amazing and inspiring that you had this dream and you thought, right, I'm going to make this a reality for my daughter. Like, wow, 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 that's one. And yeah. the final, like, just because it's so recent and it's just right in my mind, is that you, it's so important that you, you're t- you're saying, like, you knew the right time to move on, that you actually mm-hmm. honoured you're honouring yourself and knowing that your family needs to come first. You, mm-hmm. your own well-being needs to come first, and that's some people I have learned go through their entire life and they never, ever, ever realize that like that's what is it important in life, making sure you at the center are okay first because you cannot pour from an empty cup. Yeah, that's true. That's so true.
1: I know it, no it it really was it, it's it's I have a very different life now and it's lovely you know it's it's you know my son has started secondary school and I'm helping him you know we're all helping him bed in there and he got support and he got counseling and you know he has he has been officially diagnosed with autism and ADHD so now he gets the support in school so that's mm-hmm. all very reassuring you know for me um so I I feel like I know how to support him now and I also know where to get help for him and now you know it's it's all just about him being himself now and, and just growing and accepting his his um abilities now as well you know just growing his confidence um, and, you know, so that's where I am with him. And Rose is great. Rose is Rose. She lives in Rose World, and it's a lovely place to be. Yeah, wow. Well. <laughs> and then, then I have, you know, I have Grace, and she's 16 now. She's off at a residential at the moment, and she's really into her science subjects. I was I was secretly hoping that she might want to be a therapist, but I think, I think she's – because she's lovely. She's really great with the kids and all, and she has a lovely way with children, but mm-hmm. I think she's had enough of it, you know,
0: so – well that's in her family and it always will be so maybe it's actually such a good little respite for her yeah like you know learning about science and if that becomes her job like sure that'd be amazing
1: wouldn't it so she's actually really into the environment so she wants to do you know something to do with um you uh, know, like saving the saving the planet, and that's what we need. We need kids like her you know, in the future. Like, so, I so like, she's really into that. She's in it. She's she's up a river at the moment, looking at rocks and pollution uh-huh. in the river and stuff. So she's all into all that. So uh, I'm fully supportive of that, and think that's an amazing that is, career yeah. for her. And she'll always uh-huh. have that lovely personality in her anyway, that lovely that's gentleness that nice. and kindness. And I always find it like yourself the volunteers who came to us who had either a sibling or a close relative with additional needs they were the best volunteers you know because they really got it they really knew how to care for somebody you know Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's just like lived experience and actually do you know what growing maybe we're actually the lucky ones you know
1: it's yeah yeah,
0: really difficult and it's so you know it's heartbreaking at times and you want you just want to make it better but actually, we're the lucky ones because they're learning the way you get from it. Whew. I know, I know.
1: It's been amazing watching these kids grow now. It's just been... So now I am more... So instead of me being like the trailblazer, creating all these things for other people, now I feel like I just take a back seat and I watch my children blaze a trail for themselves yes oh I
0: love it oh my goodness right well that is perfect let's just (laughs) end on ah Brian yeah I'm absolutely you just set me up for the day I am absolutely so happy this conversation has literally like my heart is bursting oh
1: thank you I I, I hope hopefully I have inspired people but also you know letting them know when 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 to stop when to know when to stop as well
0: exactly, exactly. Just be
1: present be present in the moment just enjoy the I'm moment sure. you don't have to fill your day with every every minute of your day have to, doesn't have to be doing something just enjoy no. your day enjoy the moment I think
0: oh exactly because life is so precious and so short
1: yeah definitely definitely I just love being out in nature and just watching my kids grow, I think that's the the best pleasure I can have in life
0: now. Yeah, Grania, I know. Do you know I'm I'm so ready. I'm so ready to have kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait I,
1: to see you as a mom. You'll be fantastic.
0: I just need Stephen to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you take care, and uh, hopefully, it won't be as long till I chat to you the next time. Okay
1: yes lovely absolutely thank you for asking me as well that was such a lovely surprise and and mm-hmm. i feel very honored to be part of your your great podcast of listening to the other ones and you're doing a fantastic job and you know just carry on with your healing and you're just enjoying the moment
0: as well uh, yeah no thanks so so much gronya like that was that was just so inspiring i think for all families whether they have a child yeah. with or not like it's just we do need to actually tune in maybe a bit more and stuff so thank you for just being so honest thank
1: you thank you
0: for asking the questions